Welcome back to Made in Hong Kong podcast. This is like our 24th or 20, 25th episode now at this point, which is kind of wild to me. Um, but today we have our spe- uh, special guest here with us. Her name is Kylie. Hi, everyone. I go by Kylie, and I'm really excited to be on this podcast. And thank you guys so much for having me here. Yeah, we're so excited to have you. Yeah, thanks for being here. And let's start with a check-in. Just like to see how everyone is doing this week, today. Kylie, do you want to go first? Oh, um, today is Friday. Um, I'm based out in California, so it is a Friday evening, just really chill day. Um, I went to work. I played some Genshin Impact, and here I am. <laughs> a good day. Yay. Yeah, very chill, relaxing day. Nice. How about you, Summer? Today has been a good day too. It's Friday. I also have work, and honestly, like today, I've I've just been like so tired. Like I'm, I was like falling asleep at the office, <laughs> but um, um, it was cool. Um, so for lunch, I got the chance to meet with my mentor for my internship. So it was really cool. And then I got home. I was very really tired, and it took an hour nap. And now I feel like very energized yes mm-hmm. good take that nap okay what about you? you took a nap you took a nap last week too. i did, I we did. <laughs> um i'm good yeah today's friday but i am not working right now so i guess all the days is kind of blending together but fridays are usually me and my boyfriend's date night so we went oh. to get boiling point oh um, nice. so, so good do you have do you guys have boiling point in the bay we do we do okay um, we have okay. boiling point and then they're like rival tasty pot so. Tasty oh. yeah so they're like the same to. thing but they're like rivals i guess yeah mm. boiling point supreme um <laughs> but yeah it was so nice to like eat at boiling point in person again because it's been a while and it's the takeout is very different so that was mm-hmm. nice um and then i've been trying to wake up early and i went on a run this morning so nice. refreshing um and yeah i'm here um, and i'm excited to talk to you both and <laughs> yes yes all right, so as y'all know, before we start our discussion, we usually have a this or that. And this week, this or that is um, honey boba versus grass jelly. Oh, this is hard. <laughs> why, um, why, why the face? <laughs> okay, so, okay, controversial opinion. I guess controversial, like, lifestyle. I usually don't get toppings. Because mm. I don't like to chew. I'm like really lazy. So whenever I drink oh like milk tea, I just get the drink. And then occasionally, yeah. if it does come with a topping, then I'll get a topping. But very rarely do I like actively add on. But I mm. think I think I get boba more often. But sometimes if I choose, like on a rare occasion, I choose my topping, then I'll choose grass jelly because I feel like a tiny bit healthier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> true yeah yeah I I'm honey boba all the way like I have an unhealthy obsession with boba I think I just like the chewiness and the like texture of it and it's not just boba I like any sort of like mochi like tapioca item 
So honey boba, but I've been trying to cut down because I've been having boba like three times a week and it's just not oh my God. sustainable. <laughs> I know. It's so bad. Like I feel like because I've been stressed recently, so I drink boba as like therapy. Oh, yeah. That's a so quote here we are. <laughs> boba as therapy. <laughs> it really is though. Um, I feel yeah. like it's like self-care for me, um, but I've been trying to drink less, like dr- just drink the tea and just drink less boba. So mm-hmm. I've limited myself to one boba a week. Oh, that's a lot of self-control. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, for me, if you saw my TikTok, my favorite is grass jelly. I mostly like it because it's lighter. Like, I feel like whenever I get boba, I always get it like after a meal. And I'll usually be very full. So I want something lighter. And also like, I don't really like milk tea. I usually get fruit tea. And I think grass jelly pairs really well with fruit tea. But I do like mm-hmm. chewy stuff usually. I really like mochi too. Have you ever had yes. those like mochi, like really small mochi toppings on like ice cream and stuff? Oh, those are so good too. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. froyo mochi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nice. Cool. Honey boba two, grass jelly one. <laughs> I'm always the one. I feel like no grass it's jelly okay. is really good too. But I think honey boba is just more like popular. It's just like a default mm. choice for a lot of drinks that come That's like true. pre-made. True. Cool. Okay. Um. I guess this is where Kylie can introduce herself about like I guess what you do, like your background, um, anything you feel comfortable to share. Yeah, of course. Um, So hi, guys. My name is, or I go by Kylie, and I graduated college last spring, so um, 2020, and I grew up in the Bay Area, and I currently work in the Bay Area also doing marketing in tech, and on my free time, I enjoy making um, TikToks, uh, streaming games on Twitch, and yeah, generally, and then just binging Netflix and YouTube. <laughs> very, very chill lifestyle, kind of like a potato, as my mom says. But you know, <laughs> life is great. Life is relaxing. So yeah, that's just basically what I do. I work, play, eat, sleep, <laughs> and yeah, I'm just glad that I am able to share more of. Mm-hmm. So cool. What um Netflix shows are yeah, you watching Yeah, I was going right to ask. <laughs> so I really like hop around on Netflix, like really depends on my mood. Um, Recently, I finished Manifest. Oh, um, yeah. Was- yeah. <laughs> I did too. Yeah, we I talked about it like a few episodes ago. Yeah, it's so good. So I've been, I'm just like hoping season four comes out like before my interest like wanes a little bit because that's I usually binge a show and then I like go on a hiatus if the next season's not out. And by the time the next season is out, I'm like, what happened in the first three seasons again? Yeah, yeah, I forgot. I feel that. (laughs) So I really hope the fourth season comes out soon. And I think besides that, um, I watched like some rom-coms that came out, like some rom-com movies, like um, Afterlife of the Party, Kissing Booth 3. So just like very chill, girly, like, white noise I guess like I like having on the background while I like do work and it's just like I guess I'm like half watching it half working it just kind of provides 
I guess some form of like company while I work just some noise in the background yeah I do that too manifest got picked up for season four so I'm I'm super excited excited. Mm -hmm. it's really good oh yeah I just wanted to ask if you guys had any other recommendations on Netflix Ooh, I watched this K drama a while ago. What was it called? Oh, it was called Startup. And I really oh, yeah, liked yeah, yeah. it. It was very like independent, like boss woman. What else? I need to look. watch one, but I forgot what it's called. K drama? Uh, no. It's um about her being the dean of the English department. Oh, in the, the chair. University. The office. Oh, the, the chair. Is that what Sandra? Chair, oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, watched Sandra. that too. Oh. How is that? I haven't like I I saw it, but I didn't really click into it. But yeah, it's good. It's really good. Yeah, it was it's very funny. like it's very realistic. Like it's very raw. Okay. Mm-hmm. I guess I will look into it after this podcast. And mm-hmm. it's like pretty short, easy to binge. Mm-hmm. I'm also watching a show on Hulu. Um, one only one murder in a building. The Selena Gomez Selena one. Gomez. Yeah, yeah, that one's also pretty good. I want to watch good. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice. Okay, cool. I guess we can go into. I guess Kylie, like your background since last time we talked. Um, I know that you grew up in a Cantonese speaking household, um, and you learn Mandarin in Chinese school. Also, like your Mandarin is really good. <laughs> like I feel like yeah, very- we were like we were forced to learn Mandarin in Hong Kong. Like after I guess learning Cantonese, and my Mandarin is really bad. <laughs> like I have the Hong Kong accent mm-hmm. um, whenever I speak Mandarin. But um, yeah, can you tell us a little bit about growing up um, and learning Cantonese and Mandarin? Yeah, definitely. So I was born and raised in California, and everyone in my family spoke Cantonese. So growing up, I spent a lot of time with family, like all my aunts and uncles would take turns babysitting me, my grandparents also. So I think speaking Cantonese was definitely like my first language before I learned English. So yeah, I grew up speaking Cantonese to my parents, I still do. Um, So Cantonese is really just for home. And then uh, when I started elementary school, that's when I like started learning. I already knew English, of course, but that's when I really like shifted to primarily speaking English um, day to day. And then at the same time, my mom shipped me off to a Chinese school. So from kindergarten to fifth grade, I went to Chinese school Monday to Friday, like after school, like a school like our Chinese school bus would just come and pick us up and we'd go to Chinese school stay there for um so we we'd go there and then learn Chinese for like an hour hour and a half every day and then after that we would have homework time so that was like my routine for the first six years of like education mm-hmm. and then as I moved towards uh, like middle school that's I don't think like sixth grade is like a blank memory for me. I don't know if I even went to Chinese school in my sixth grade because I was in the transition of like finding a new school. So I probably went to like Chinese school for half of sixth grade. But that's when I transitioned to a Saturday only Chinese school from like I think three hours every week um, on Saturdays. And I just kind of kept up with that. Um, of course, I, in the beginning, it was definitely kind of forced to like learn Mandarin but then eventually I actually really liked learning the language because I got into like sea dramas 
like yeah. Chinese culture, like yeah. really started embracing my culture more. And that's when I realized like, oh my gosh, learning Mandarin is so helpful. I don't need to wait for the subtitles. <laughs> then, oh my gosh. I think yeah. that yeah. was like definitely one of my like main drivers at first. Like, okay, I don't need subtitles. This is great. And of course, um, when you're in like that age, like middle school to high school, that's when a lot of, I guess my, like my classmates, like started not liking Chinese school because they were definitely forced mm-hmm. to go. So I definitely like fell into the teacher's pet category where I was like, oh, I enjoy learning the language. So it was definitely like a mutual, like, I guess, mutual relationship between my teachers and I. I was like, oh, I really liked their class and they really liked me. So that like helped foster my like interest in Mandarin and learning Mandarin. And yeah, I graduated Chinese school um, when I was in the 11th grade because that was like the highest grade we had at that Chinese Mm -hmm. school and then during 12th grade I was just a TA for like the kindergartners class it was a good side Mm -hmm. income for like a 18 year old you know yeah yeah um I really enjoy like learning like culture and all that um I I was like very involved I guess in like the Asian American or Chinese American community community in the Bay Area. So a lot of volunteering, um, Mandarin-based like volunteering, and then um going to Taiwan for two summers to like teach English. So that was like pretty fun. So I think like when I speak Mandarin now, there's actually like a slight accent. It's like very weird because my first Chinese school was taught by like mainland China Chinese teachers, and then my second Chinese mm-hmm. school was Taiwanese Mandarin teachers. So mm-hmm. there was like simplified and Mandarin. So when I speak, depending on what I'm saying, people are like, oh, it's like a mix of like mainland versus like Taiwanese. I'm like, yeah, I, it just happened to be that way. I can't fix it now. So mm-hmm. 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 not as obvious as it once was, but you know. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. C dramas are like such a good way to learn or like just mm-hmm. watching TV shows is such a good way to learn a new language. Um, but it's so interesting because, like, growing up in Hong Kong, I hated Chinese. Like, even though, like, every, everyone around me spoke it, I just, like, hated it so much. And I don't know if it, it's because, like, English or, like, being westernized is so, like, glorified in Asia. But maybe that's why I, like, didn't like Chinese. I was always so yeah. bad at it. Yeah, me too. Like, and the fact that we have to learn, like, very, like, old Chinese texts like poems and stuff those ones I really hated those ones because I'm really bad at it yeah 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 they don't make sense (laughs) wait but I also have a question so do you have a c-drama recommendation that you love growing up oh like growing up well, it's definitely like Meteor Garden, like the OG Meteor oh, Garden. I watched yeah. that recently, yeah. actually. <laughs> like, I think oh, the so OG good. one, like the OG Daomingsu with like Jerry Yan and like Vanessa, like the like the OG, like F4. Yeah. That was my F4, first ever. Oh my God. Yeah, I think that F4. was my first ever C drama. Like, I like have a dis- like very clear memory of watching that growing up. But um, like more recently, definitely, I really and. En- I think mainland Chinese dramas, they do a really good job with like, like the mystical stuff, like the more okay, fantasy yeah, based, yeah. more or like palace dramas. I don't mm-hmm. watch like any, okay, I used to not like very rarely do I watch like modern day dramas 
or modern day mm-hmm. like C dramas. I watched that. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a K dramas. That's K drama specialty. Yeah, yeah. Mm. When it comes to like Chinese dramas, I really, really enjoy watching like, I guess palace dramas or fantasy dramas because I think mm. it has such like deep history, and it's just so interesting to like watch. And it's like so well executed and filmed. The costuming is wonderful. Like I don't know. I'm I'm like such a sucker for like historical or fantasy, like mystical fantasy you see dramas. Those are so good. Yeah, like mm-hmm. I don't even have a recommendation because everyone is so good. Like mm-hmm. every drama is just so good. Like I can't recommend like just one. It's really yeah. beautiful. Mm-hmm. Cool. So like we want to ask about how was learning Mandarin after speaking or learning Cantonese first? Was it harder or easier? I think I had the advantage of learning Mandarin pretty early. So I wouldn't say it was like necessarily difficult to learn, but I think that at times I do get my Cantonese and Mandarin mixed up. Like, oh, how do I say this in Mandarin again? Or like, shoot, how do I say this in Cantonese? Like my brain is just wired to think. I feel like I think in English and then, yeah, I'm not sure. I think my... Speaking and reading, or like just comprehension of Mandarin is better because I went to like formal schooling for that. And I think that my Cantonese is def- is like more like casual or more slang like because I speak it at home mm-hmm. and without any like formal schooling. So I think both languages are very hard, but I think that knowing Cantonese helped me learn Mandarin because there were less tones in Mandarin. Yeah, it's true. Mm-hmm. So I sure. like so I think my like understanding or like just hearing the tones is like, oh, it's so much simpler in Mandarin versus Cantonese. So I think that was an mm-hmm. advantage that helped me learn Mandarin. Yeah. It's funny how you said that. Cause I think a lot of like Hong Kong people, like when they they, when they try to like speak in Mandarin, they kind of just like alter the tone of Cantonese a little bit. Yeah. And then it just sounds like really bad. Like my dad speaks like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny. Yeah. See, I don't even know if it's gang, not jiang. Yeah. It's so weird. I don't know. <laughs> it's like, I def, it's so like even now when I order stuff, I just, my brain is like Cantonese brain, but then I try to say it in Mandarin and it's just wrong. <laughs> um, but. Yeah, like, did your parents, um, do you know the reason why your parents wanted you to go to Mandarin or Chinese school? Um, I think in the beginning, it was definitely just, like, daycare. Like, oh, Um, my parents had to work, so they couldn't really, like, pick me up from school at, like, 2 p.m. or, like, 3 p.m. So it's just like, oh, ship them to Chinese school, at least for elementary. So, like, um, right after classes, we would all wait on, like, outside school, and then our school bus would come and ship us or like Mm. take us to Chinese school. And then um, we would stay there until our parents were done with work and they just come to Chinese school and pick us up on the way home. So I think in the beginning, it was definitely like, oh, I want my child to learn Mandarin because it's a very useful language, especially in Mm -hmm. the US, especially in California. Mm -hmm. So it was definitely very much so like, oh, I might as well kill two birds with one stone. You can learn a new very useful language and daycare while I'm working so 
Yeah. That's so, it's so like um, useful nowadays, especially. Which I am very grateful for because yeah, I just. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Learning it like growing up is definitely way easier than just starting. I, I can't imagine like people trying to learn Chinese now because it's just, there's so many, there's so many strokes. There's so many like words sound the same. I know. But um, with like your Cantonese and Mandarin, a lot of TikToks um, and content that you create are kind of surrounding like teaching your audience phrases and speaking in both languages. Like what inspired you to post content about Cantonese and Mandarin? Um, and do you remember like your first TikTok that you posted oh. that like kind of gained your audience? Yeah, I do actually. Um, when I made a TikTok, I didn't. So I think, okay, how do I describe my TikTok journey? It was definitely, it was right before quarantine um, in California. My friend would keep sending me TikToks and I'm like, what the heck is this? This is so lame. This is so cringe. Why are you sending me TikToks? Yeah, that was me. <laughs> so, and then eventually I gave up because she kept sending me TikToks. So I downloaded the app and I don't think I made a video really. I think I've reposted one of just a very general video, not never took off. And when I started TikTok, I was just following the trends or like what was popping at the area at the time. And my first TikTok that like kind of blew up was the it was with the tr- the song like the oh, yeah <laughs> it was that video yeah, yeah. it was that audio and I made a video that was the idea was the first half was um what my parents expected me to be like after learning Chinese for 10 years and it was like a very sophisticated Mandarin speaker knowing her poems knowing the culture and then the mm-hmm. cutscene was like what I actually learned and it was just like all the slang, all the bad words. <laughs> and, um, I think that really resonated with the Asian or like language learners, how sometimes mm. the first things you learn in a language is just the slang. It's not mm-hmm. the it's not the everyday language appropriate stuff. It's the funny slang mm. that your friends teach you. Um, so that was my first TikTok that like, I guess, quote unquote, blew up. And mm-hmm. I think after I made that video, I didn't realize that there was such a prominent Asian American community on the platform. So I, I know that video was a hit. And then I went back to like doing weird trend videos. Those did not do well. And I don't remember my second video, but eventually I kind of realized, oh, wait a second. Maybe, maybe I need to find a niche. Um, to like mm-hmm. make content and I started making more uh, Cantonese related content um, I had one video with my mom where it was an, uh, it was like another trend where an Asian like it was an Asian trend where like a daughter or a son would ask their Asian parent hey mom do you think I'm pretty hey mom do you think I'm handsome and of course Asian parents rarely flatter you so they like give some sort of like funny response and my mom mm-hmm. gave like a pretty funny response, I guess. And I posted that. That one kind of gained traction. And that's when I kind of realized, oh, you know what? Maybe I'll just stick to like mostly Mandarin and Cantonese content because that seems to be relatable and well-performing. So mm-hmm. and then, yeah, and then here I am like a year later. Um, yeah. <laughs> Your content definitely took off. And like what make you like 
motivate you to keep doing those content? I think it was a mix of, oh, there are people on this platform, like there are strangers supporting me. Like that mm-hmm. was like a definitely a huge like a huge driver in the beginning. Like, whoa, people are watching my content, they like my content, and it's relatable to them. Like, wow, I'm not the only one that had this experience. I don't have a single yeah. unique childhood experience, I guess. Mm-hmm. But besides the point, it was just great to like share these common experiences with like you know, people on TikTok and kind of realize that, yeah, like a lot of people went through a similar experience and you were not like alone in this like lifestyle, I guess. Mm-hmm. So it was, mm-hmm. it was a great way to connect with people. And I've definitely like met like a lot of great friends through TikTok and Twitch and just social media in general. And mm-hmm. yeah, um, I, yeah, it was just very fun. And just the support really um, encourages me to continue creating content. Mm-hmm. Yeah, social media is like so beautiful and so wholesome and like really useful, but it's also like it can be, it's a slippery slope with social media. And I guess this leads into like a question about social media too. Like how do you think that social media has helped or harmed the representation of Asian Americans and like with the content you create too? Like how do you, how are you like careful with with that? That's a really good question. Um, I think TikTok itself is a very unique platform where it is mostly occupied by Gen Z and Zillennials, um, people around my age. And it's great that people now are more aware of what is politically correct and what is socially acceptable and why certain subjects are touchy, like cultural appropriation is a is not good. Um, mm-hmm. Don't do cultural appropriation. There's a difference between appreciation and appropriation, and there's just more discussion um, to, as to like you know like racism, like stop Asian hate. So yeah, I think it's a great platform. Like I've met or I've seen so many content creators who are super knowledgeable in like the history behind racism in the western in western media um racism that's like deep rooted in like the yellow yellow peril during like the early like when immigrants first came to the u.s and like i learned a lot um as like asian like as an asian american myself like i learned a lot of like oh the root causes of all of these racial injustices and racial issues so i think social media does a great job at of educating to an extent like educating and bringing awareness towards certain issues. But I think it also harms because, of course, there you have the people that are like, well, I'm Asian and I don't find that offensive. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of people believe narratives, um, like personal experiences um, are pretty trustworthy, I guess. And it's just harmful in that way of like these stupid pick me girls or stupid pick me guys that are like, well, I'm Asian. I think dog eating is funny. And I'm like, ma'am, like, excuse you, just because it's funny towards or like just these like stupid jokes, just because it's funny towards like you doesn't like you don't represent the entire Asian American community, if that makes sense. Like Mm -hmm. you can't speak for everyone else. And there are certain issues where it's like, did you really think it was appropriate to downplay somebody's 
experiences just because you never experienced the same thing. Like, depending on, of course, like depending on where you grew up, like the culture that you grew up in, it's very skewed. So for me, I was very lucky to grow up in a very, like pretty diverse area in California. California is pretty diverse. So a lot of like these racial, like these like racial stereotypes and whatnot was not very amplified during like throughout my upbringing, but Mm -hmm. like following other Asian creators who grew up in a less diverse area really like opened my eyes like, whoa, people are like very different in other parts of, you know, the Western, like like the US or just UK or whatnot. So yeah, I think that even though, like, for example, I probably never had, like, certain racial jokes made towards me, but I still don't think it would be okay to be, like, give the pass, like, yeah, I th- I'm Asian, and I think it's funny, because it might not mm-hmm. be funny towards others, and I think it's just very hard to, like, navigate that space of, like, are you okay, ma'am? Are you okay, sir? Like, excuse mm-hmm. me. So, but I think overall, um, it's, social media is positive in bringing awareness and spreading the message of like what is okay and what is not okay Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. definitely I I learned so much from TikTok honestly Mm -hmm. and I feel like people on TikTok like articulate things so much better better than I do so it like helps me process and like helps me say the things I can't really put into words but yeah it's like so risky I feel like whoever like it can be like a very popular content creator or just like anyone who just wants to post a random TikTok because TikTok is so like everyone can see it it's just so random and Mm -hmm. it can like reach whoever and you never know and I was like reflecting on a TikTok that I posted recently Mm -hmm. about like so like the TikTok basically is like I I was like, oh, thinking if I have COVID because I can't taste and smell because that was like the preface. And then like, and then I revealed like, oh, it's just white people food. And then I got like, we got a lot of um, comments saying like, oh, that's racist. And like, oh, is it because you eat cats and dogs and stuff like that? And it, it was just interesting to me because then I'm like, am I perpetuating, you know, like, am I playing into perpetuating a stereotype? about Asians yeah and it's really interesting because that was like obviously no one intends for these comments or like no one Mm -hmm. um you can't really control that so it's just interesting to see like be very aware of like like how your how other people might receive the content I don't know and it's like when I saw those comments I was like this isn't intended for you like it's intended for the Asian American audience but it will get to you too you know like there's just some Mm -hmm. people that will see it um so it's just really interesting for me to reflect on it and like perfect that we're actually talking about this right now so yeah so we also want to ask about how do you be cautious when it comes to accurately representing the Asian or Chinese American community I def- like I try to play it safe. Um, of course, I yeah. avoid like the controversial topics, like topics that you wouldn't talk about on like a first date, like the cut, like, you know, you stick to humor. And I think I know that I'm not the most well-educated on a lot of the like social um, social topics. 
And I know that there are creators who can articulate how I'm feeling better than I could, because I'm not very good at like articulating more serious topics. Um, so mm-hmm. I generally do try to avoid speaking about like topics that I am not 100% confident in. So that is definitely like dodging, like a dodging a lot of potential backlash. And I have been called out on it before. Like, why don't you address this or that? And usually in that case, I just explain that I want to, and I will um, in a very like brief manner. But what I say probably won't educate you as much as certain creators. And I'll tell like, hey, I think you should watch this video by XYZ. I think they Mm -hmm. can explain the point a lot better. Or I'll just duet the video to be like, what they said really represents me and it so I think just avoiding for for me personally I avoid more controversial topics usually it's because I'm not as informed um and I don't have like the anecdote that can properly like explain why xyz is correct or not correct and yeah I mostly just stick to humor very language-based humor and that's just my content and my niche so it's just a very different like atmosphere of who my target audience is and the content that I make. So I think that's usually how I'm and even when I like post a video, I like especially with like skits, I'm like, oh, could this be offensive towards anyone? Like mm-hmm. if I'm on the viewing end, like, oh, can any group take it like negatively and if the answer is no then I post it and sometimes I'll film something and as I'm editing I'm like could this be like offensive and then I'll like I'll text my friend like hey do you think this like this clip would be offensive in this like specific context and if they're like hmm I'm not sure and if they're not sure and I'm unsure I just scrap the video I'm like you know what I'll Mm. think of something else so I think it's just being like extra careful um for me like huh I'm not sure if saying this is like appropriate. I'm like, hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm like not sure because you know, you know like because you never know with like people on TikTok. Like sometimes, yeah. like, and you never know which side of TikTok it might end up on. You might end up on like a super sensitive people who just want to cancel for the they want to cancel someone just to cancel them versus mm-hmm. people that genuinely want to educate you. And I think there is a very defined line, but not everyone realizes that sometimes you get constructive criticism. Like constructive criticism is very different than just pure hate and like pure, just like hate. Because pers- like I'm very lucky to have not had that like happen to me, but I've seen it happen to other creators and I'm like, ooh, that's rough. Mm-hmm. And then I'm always like, I don't think they were wrong necessarily, but I think like people, the commenters or what or whoever had could have made a better approach in educating the creator instead of just purely sending hate. So yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. I feel like there's so much pressure on content creators to speak out on things, and like it's like we're all learning, we're all human. Like even like them having a big following doesn't mean that they automatically know everything and like have to feel pressure to speak out like if you feel pressure and then you speak out like then 
then like what's the point you know like you Mm -hmm. you should like want to speak out when you're like well informed enough to do so yeah and I feel like what you said about like sharing other people's content is very important too because for me like I am like super bad with words with like articulating my thoughts so there is something that in my head that I can never articulate as well as other creators talk about it so I think it's very important to like also like know our own boundaries and like know what else we can do in order to like help with a certain issues yeah I'm also curious so um is there like during your TikTok journey what was one of the most like memorable moments that you remember oh um I think it was meeting friends like meeting other creators online and then meeting them in real life so that was a highlight if not like one of the more like one of the more like benefits or one of the more like positive things that had that I feel like has happened because when I first made it first started making TikToks um I know there were like a lot of people that were already making group chats but I'm more like introverted so I never really like reached out to other creators I was very much so like by myself just making content here and there uploading it just like ignoring it and I know and so at a certain point I was like pretty envious of like oh my gosh these people are like friends with each other they like talk to each other I'm like kind of jealous so um I reached out to one of my like IRL or in real life friends who was also a content creator and he introduced me to um a discord that were like full of content other content creators um and it was when the Among Us hype was real so we were all playing Among Us together so yeah now I play Valorant with them Genshin some of them stream and we support each other streaming and I recently met some of them um back in May um I have like family friends on the east coast so I was in the east coast for a week and I hung out with some of them while I was on the east coast and then like two months ago um some of them flew out to California so we were hanging out in person then and it was just like a really good like month of just like hanging out with them and meeting new friends and meeting yeah just meeting friends with a similar interest because I think that content creation is a very niche hobby um especially Mm -hmm. with like TikTok it's a very like it's not like YouTube where it's a full like 10 minute video with good editing TikTok is very much like hey here's content put it online Mm -hmm. It's mm-hmm. very just like more fast paced. Um, quality is like, eh, eh. Mm. It's, it's the intent. It's not really the quality. As uh, I'm pretty ashamed to say so myself. But um, I think just meeting people who are also content creators is very nice because they understand like the same struggles that you kind of go to that maybe your other friends might not understand. So just. Mm-hmm talking to them was like oh my gosh we have like similar experiences with like TikTok or like Twitch and it's just very comforting to know that there that there's a support system oh that's so wholesome Mm -hmm. yeah so um where do you see like do you feel like you're gonna continue creating content and like where do you see your content going in a few years oh um I'll be honest I have no idea where my content is going to go. 
I think in the beginning is I uploaded a lot more frequently. And I think with all social media, it does, you do get burnt out eventually. And I'm not saying that I'm burned out yet, but I am slowing down in my content creation just because with COVID and everything, like my real life is starting to be, I guess my off, off internet life or off on Mm -hmm. like my offline life. There we go. My offline life (laughs) is starting to like flourish again, because I think a lot of people started making TikToks when they were, you know, quarantined in their room alone Mm -hmm. with no friends. So yeah. Now that um, some things are starting to reopen and I'm getting my offline, you know, friends and off, like I'm seeing my offline friends more, my offline life, work, um, my content creation has definitely slowed down. Still consistent, just not as, just not like three times a day anymore, you know, Um, where Mm -hmm. that used to be the norm of like, you should post three, two to three times a day if you want to grow. So yeah, I don't know how I did that um, for a while, but I think now I've focused more on, I guess, quality of my content. Like I put more time into editing compared to before where I just film and put it online. And Mm -hmm. now there's more effort in editing, um, production. And yeah, I think in a few years, I hope to still be creating content, hopefully. Um, who knows, there might be a new platform when TikTok dies off, which I don't think it will mm-hmm. anytime soon. But yeah, um, I hope to still create, you know, relatable, funny, hopefully funny content. And, you know, just share my experiences with friends, with um, my audience, with people that just joined TikTok, or other Asian Americans who feel like nobody understands them. So yeah, and that's my wish for TikTok is, you know, continue growing. I guess I used to care more about like numbers because, you know, it's social media. You don't want to look at numbers, but in the end, numbers are like the first thing you see on social media. Mm-hmm. So I want to get to the point where I'm just like, you know, I'm, ha- I, I, I'm at the point where I'm like very happy with where everything is. Like I have a very like supportive, like, I have very supportive friends. I have very supportive, like, like a lot of supporters on TikTok, on Twitch. And yeah, I think I am happy with everything is right now. Um, but I do hope that, you know, we can continue to like, you know, grow together. And yeah. I think with Twitch, it would be cool to like grow or pop off on Twitch and like TikTok. Um, but yeah, I'm very happy with where everything is right now and I'm just excited to you know continue making content and yeah I have no I don't have any plans to like stop making content but I also don't have plans to become a full-time content creator so mm-hmm. I think social media like TikTok, Twitch, Instagram all that is a side it's like a hobby for mm-hmm. me and I am enjoying it as a hobby and maybe mm-hmm. one day when I don't find joy in it anymore, then I'll revisit this question. But as of right now, um, it's a hobby that I enjoy. And I think I'll leave it at that. Just a nice, fun hobby. Yeah, I really love that. Who knows like what 
like social media will be in like five years like I feel like it's gonna yeah. change yeah I might be married mm-hmm. or have a boyfriend by then so <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah like I mean hopefully I'll have a boyfriend in five years but um yeah <laughs> yeah there we go yeah so we know like you've been creating content related to Cantonese or Mandarin for a while so why is Cantonese and Mandarin so important to you I think Cantonese is important to me because it's a language that I grew up speaking and it's a language that I, you know, it's like a common, it's like the form of communication between me and my family. And I want to try to preserve it and spread like Cantonese or like, you know, just knowledge of Cantonese and how it's like very difficult to learn and how it's not as common anymore because there's not a lot of learning resources for Cantonese in comparison to like Mandarin, for example. Like we can all go to Chinese school and you can learn Chinese, but there's really no Cantonese school. And I think that it's difficult to learn unless you know someone or you lived in Hong Kong um, that can speak speak with you. Um, so I think that's why Cantonese is really important to me. It's just I don't want to lose my language like lose the ability to speak Cantonese like so I'm always like super scared like oh like if I have kids in the the future are they gonna like am I able to pass down Cantonese to them so yeah I don't know that's why Cantonese is important to me it's just spreading the knowledge of it like yeah it's a very difficult language it's definitely more rare and I just want to like try to preserve it and then with Mandarin it's important to me because it's just super such a like fun it's a fun language with all the tones and all that Uh, it's a fun language and it's a very useful language and I just want people to you know have an interest in learning a second language because um I think that it is very beneficial and yeah very beneficial to your like future and you know it's it's a skill that's it's a harmless skill to have (laughs) It's like it's so hard to preserve Cantonese and like even Man- I feel like Mandarin more so because there's more population in the US that speaks Mandarin but like Cantonese I don't really know that many people who speak Cantonese except for like summer and like my family who are here and I yeah like how do we keep it on to the next generation because I feel like if you grow up here, it's definitely really hard. Like, I have friends whose parents speak Cantonese, but they kind of just respond in English and they don't, like, reciprocate that, like, to learn that Cantonese because, like, in school, you won't speak Cantonese. And I feel like I – I feel like we're, we've progressed a long way since since back then, but I, I, know, I know friends who, like, would hide their Cantonese speaking because they didn't want to, like, stand out and stuff. So it's it's so hard, and I feel like – I don't know if it's dying like Cantonese. I hope not. But I really have not met that many people who know Cantonese. So it was really refreshing to like see your content on TikTok. Yeah. Um, yeah, we just want to touch upon Cantonese because it's so important. Um, and oh, and also, I guess we have some resources for people who want to learn Cantonese. Um, I don't know if you have some, Ky- Kylie. Um, but I have the first one is the Cantonese Alliance. And it started... It was started by uh, an ex-Stanford teacher who used to teach Cantonese there. But basically, like, Stanford cut 
their funds and they wanted to like get rid of the Cantonese class and people like started a petition but she was like offered like a part-time job and like she didn't take it so she started um the Cantonese alliance with resources and stuff for people to uh learn Cantonese yeah it's just like cantonese-alliance.github.io for people who want to have a resource and this one I think is the only one I can really vouch for that's like useful I'm not sure about the other ones look into it Cantonese is a very special and unique language that I think need to be appreciated so yeah if you want to learn and watch Kylie's TikTok <laughs> yeah watch Kylie's TikTok we should make um, more Cantonese TikTok too honestly yeah yeah I think that you guys should definitely give it a try because the Cantonese population on TikTok is very strong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. So um, that kind of concludes our episode today. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And Kylie, do you want to plug your social media? Yeah, of course. So um, it would be really cool if you guys followed me on TikTok and Instagram, both at the handle Kate dot h-y-l-i and on twitch which is hello kylie which is hello k-h-y-l-i so yeah and i'll see you guys all on my tiktok instagram and or twitch again that's k-h-y-l-i and hello kylie so yeah thank you all for having me here and i hope you guys have a wonderful day yes you you too thank you for being here of course thank you Mm -hmm. thank you so much again for having me